glad to be here this morning during Thanksgiving week. Come on, let me hear somebody. It is Thanksgiving week, my favorite, my favorite holiday of the year. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. We've got a lot to be thankful for. How many would say that? We got a lot to be thankful for. You know, I, I, yesterday in the prayer meeting, I was sharing uh, with, the, with, the con- with, with whoever was streaming with us at prayer and whoever was live in person. We have prayer every Saturday right here at 8 a.m. And uh, one thing that you notice when you read through the New Testament, there's all kinds of scriptures dealing with thanksgiving. If you look up thanksgiving scriptures, you're going to find a ton of, uh, you're gonna find a ton of them in the Psalms, and you're going to find a ton of them in the New Testament. But it seems like every time they're written in the New Testament, it's, 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 it's almost like um, Paul is almost pleading with us to remain thankful. In other words, their circumstances weren't really set up for, thank, for thankfulness. And it was something they were going to have to work really hard to do. 2020 is one of those times, I think, for a lot of people. Like, this Thanksgiving's a little bit different this year. But I, I want to I remind you and encourage you, we've got a lot to be thankful for. And so we've got to push back towards Thanksgiving. It's important to be thankful for what God's done. Aren't you grateful that you're saved today, delivered, you're set free, your, your, your sins have been washed away, today your family's restored, and God's meeting your needs. Aren't you grateful for that? So much to be grateful for. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise this morning. We got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you've come and you want to give to the Lord, there's many ways that you can give here at Elevate Ministries. There's envelopes under every chair. Um, you, can, you can fill that envelope out with cash or check. If you're giving that way, you can put it in the envelope and drop it in, in, the, drop it in the lit boxes in the back of the building. Um, you also can give safely and securely online uh, via our app. If you don't have the Elevate Ministries app, go ahead and download that uh, from any of, our, any of the app providers. Uh, go ahead and download that. You can give safely there or uh, if that's too much for you, you can text easy one two three to the number seven seven nine seven seven, and you just follow the prompts and you can give that way. Amen. Want to welcome in everyone that's watching with us, streaming with us online. I know there's quite a few of you guys out of town uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with family um, against the wishes of our governing authorities. Um, but I want to I want to congratulate you for breaking the law. That's awesome. Amen. <laughs> oh man. Um, and if you're, so if you're streaming with us, we want to welcome you in this morning. And I just want to thank all of you for being here. Uh, there's nothing better than being in person at church. Aren't you glad that we, we are continuing to do that uh, against, against the, the wishes of, of um, our wonderful governor? We're still going to continue to meet. It's, it's amazing to me that so many people are, hey, are we still having service? Are we still having service? Listen, I already apologized for closing down the first time. Uh, we are having church, all right? When they... When when they, listen, when they close the hospitals down, when they close the hospitals down, we'll stop. We, maybe we'll think about it, okay? But, but if the hospitals are open, we believe the church is a hospital. Jesus said it that way. And so, and so we're just going to remain open, all right? Uh, so that's, that's how that's going to be. We, our children uh, are dismissed to their, to their Sunday school, school classrooms if they haven't already done so. I do want to let you know that our young people, our kids, are working now towards our, Chris, our kids' Christmas program. All right, that's going to be happening on Christmas Sunday. That's December the 20th. Uh, the kids are working every Sunday. They're working on dances and all kinds of stuff. Uh, they're going to do a presentation on December the 20th, Sunday, December 20th. We're going to have a great time celebrating Christmas, and we've got a great show that the kids are working on right now. So every Sunday, when you're bringing them to church, they're, they're working on that, and we want to see all of our kids involved in that. It's going to be amazing. All right, praise the Lord. All right, this morning, we're going to continue on. Uh, we have two weeks left in our Home Aid series. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. We've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about family. Uh, you, you've, you've heard from me. You've heard from my wife, Carrie. You've heard from Sister Bonnie. Uh, man, you, you're getting a little bit of everybody this, this month. Um, but it's a, it's a great time to talk about family. One of the things that I'm most grateful for in my life is the rich relationships that God's given me with regards to family. I'm grateful for that. And that's why during November, oftentimes you'll hear us talking about relationships. Now, in every relationship, there are forces that are working for and there are forces working against. In, in, every, in every type of relationship, in every family, there are, there are forces working against your relationships and there are forces working for your relationship. And it's important that we know the forces that are working against us and the forces working for us. 
It's important that we recognize what those are. First John 4, 4, you guys know the scripture. It says, greater is he that's in me, right, than he that's in the world. What that shows us right there is that there are forces that are for us and there are forces that are against us. And I'm grateful today that the forces that are for us are greater than those that are against us. Because greater is he that's in me. Greater are the forces in me than the forces that are in the world. Amen. So may the force be with you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, may the force be with you. All right. Now, sometimes in our lives we can be overwhelmed by the forces that are against us. We can become so overwhelmed by the, the things that we, the onslaught of what seems to be coming against us that we forget this fact. That we forget that, the, that, that greater are the forces that are with us than those that are against us. But I wanna remind you that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he, he, he took a third of the angels with him, which are a lot of angels, right? A third, that's 33%. He took 33% of the angels, but guess what? He left 66% in heaven, all right? So right off the bat, Satan is outmanned. Satan is outgunned. And, and we've already read the end of the book, we win. Is anybody grateful for that? We win. The devil may be bad, but God is good. Somebody say amen, and we win. That's just the way it is. So you can be excited this morning that you are on the winning team, all right? Come on, give yourself a big round of applause. You're on the winning team this morning. Amen. So our, on our today, our text is going to be in First Chronicles. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to there. Open up your electronic Bibles, your paper Bibles, uh, or you can just fa fasten your eyes on the screen and and I'm going to read a very, uh, probably a, a, a portion of scripture that no doubt you've underlined, highlighted, you've written all kinds of notes around this portion of scripture. It's just, I know this scripture, as, you, as we read it this morning, you're going to recognize how much this scripture has, has touched your life and, and changed who you are as a person. And so we're just going to read it together and we're just going to let God minister to us. Is that okay? I do have to say this before I get into my message. It's been a really crazy week for me and... Uh, I worked a real long day on Monday, and uh, my wife worked with me. We were working all day on Monday, and uh, we kind of forgot to eat. And so it got to about six o'clock. White people eat around 4:30, um, and so this is like this is this we're in danger zone area here, right? So, so I said, hey, well, you know, Gavin Newsom just told us we're going back to purple. They're going to shut down indoor dining. Let's go celebrate and let's go to Cheesecake Factory. And the reason I suggested Cheesecake Factory is we had a gift card, all right? So, um, so we went to Cheesecake Factory. And anytime I'm really busy, really anxious, got a lot on my mind, the way I, over, I compensate for that is red meat and caffeine, okay? That's how I handle it. So I ordered a steak because I had a gift card and Diet Cokes, okay? And I didn't realize it, but during this dinner, I'm just tossing back all kinds of Diet Cokes. Thank God I was never an alcoholic because I just, I just keep drinking and chewing on ice the whole meal, okay? I didn't recognize how many I was actually tossing back that night and um, um, as I was consuming the red meat. Um, but whatever the case, I went, went home and I was exhausted, right? So it's about nine o'clock and um, white people go to bed at nine o'clock anyways. But, but, uh, <laughs> so I went to bed and I fell asleep right away, man. Just, I just knocked out right away. And then at 10.30, I just woke up. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about like, I can't sleep, woke up, restless, no. I woke up, like eyes wide open, like I am right now, so awake. And so I'm living, my wife's sleeping, I'm just like, what do I do? You know, I just tried to go back to sleep, 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 trying to sleep, you know, can't do it. So I finally just got up, I got up at about 12. So I tried for two hours to go to sleep, got up at 12, and I, and I put together this sermon, okay? So if there's any hot rods, uh, flames on a hot rod jokes, just blame it on this sermon was put together at, uh, in between 12 and 4 a.m. On, on Monday night. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Here's the, here's the text we're going for, all right? The descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, Shobal, Rhea, son of Shobal, was the father of Jahath, and Jahath was the father of Ahumai, and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These are the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, Idbash. Their sister was Hazalel Pony. <laughs> Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer the father of Husha. These are the descendants of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrath, the father of Bethlehem. I thought that was a city. Um, Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives. Hela and Nairah, he was a busy guy. Nairah bore him Ahuzam, 
hefer to many, and ha ha, hash tari. These were the descendants of Nara, the sons of Helah, Zareth, Zohar, Ethnon, and Koz, who was the father of Anab, Hazobiba, and the clans of Aharel, son of Haram. Amazing. It's an amazing, isn't that an amazing text? You're probably thinking to yourself, why are you reading that? On a Sunday morning, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, why are we reading this? Well, I'll tell you what this is. What I just read to you is known as a, a genealogy, okay? It's a genealogy. Now, I love the Bible reading plan because many times I'm actually listening to these portions of Scripture early in the morning when I'm on my way to the gym or, or whatever. And many times these sorts of texts come on and you already know it because it's so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, you know, when these come on, I just find myself kind of drifting. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever come across these portions of Scripture and just turn the page? Come on, how many of you turn the page? Well, when you're listening to the Bible, you can't do that. So you just got to kind of put up with it. So, so here I am, it's 4, 4.45 in the morning. I'm listening to, you know, uh, the sons of Helah, Zareth, Zohar, Ethnon, Koz. I'm, I'm listening to all of these things, and I, I find my mind drifting. It's 4.45 in the morning. I'm already thinking about lunch. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not thinking about God's word at all. And, because honestly, I feel like this stuff's kind of boring. And every once in a while, when I, when I feel that way, I almost feel like God's looking at me like, really? That's my word, all right? You're saying that my word is boring? It's the best-selling book of all time, and you're calling it boring. But, but, but honestly, you look at all of these names that are in the Bible, and really, all of them, all of these names, their sole achievement, like what they're known for doing is who they begat. That's it. That's all they did to make their name in the Bible is they just begat somebody, okay? Now, I was a youth pastor for about 15 years. Um, and I used to have, you know, a couple, you know, a, a, a teenage couple. They would come in um, and, you know, real sheepish. They're like apart from each other. And, and they would say, you know, they were so shocked. And they couldn't, they couldn't figure out the words to get it out that, that they couldn't believe that, that they begat. And they would tell me, Pastor Adam, I don't, I don't even know how we begat, but we, but we begat. And, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I know how it happened. I, I know how it takes place. I, I think you know how you begat. I remember the first time I begat, all right? And here's the truth. We live in a world that's, that's obsessed with begatting. Would you, would, you, would you think that? And so in this text, what we're seeing is this genealogy, this lineage a family line, this is what we're looking at, a family line of begatting. And, and the question is, is, is why is this so important? The reason it's important is because our God is a God of family. Yes. Say family. Yes. Our God's a God of family. Family is God's idea. He places us in families. God himself is a family. Each of us are a part of a family. We're a part of a traditional family. All of us have, have, have probably adopted some sort of work family. Today, we, we're together with our church family. Family is such an important, it's a major part of each of our lives. Somebody say amen today. And the truth is, is God designed us. He created us, handcrafted us to live in, in relationship with other people. So, so what we're seeing in this text, this, this long lineage, what we're seeing is, is a glimpse of how these people came to be a little, little glimpse into or a backdrop of their history. And, and what's interesting is that when God came to earth, Jesus came, God in the flesh came to earth, he came to a family, right? He came to a family. Actually, he actually came through a family. He came to and through a family. And the reason that Jesus came to and through a family is because he was coming to redeem family. He was coming to redeem it. Jesus didn't come. I mean, honestly, I mean, it would seem, it would seem normal or right if, if Jesus would have split the sky, rode in on a horse, angels falling behind. I mean, that seems like an appropriate entry for God. But, but that's not, that's not the, first, the first time he arrived. That's the second time he comes. He's coming like that the second time. But the first coming, because sin had entered the lineage, and because sin had entered the genealogy, because iniquity and dysfunction was already in that family, Jesus had to enter the family line because he wanted to redeem it. 
Family is his idea. One of the words in the Bible that's used hundreds of times, especially in the Old Testament, if you translate it into Hebrew, is Elohim. Elohim is a, is a word that's translated for God. Now, every time you see Elohim or God in, in, in the Old Testament, what you're seeing is, is a single word, Elohim, it's a single word, but it has a plural meaning. It's, it's a plural in definition. It means more than one God. And so when, you're, when, when the Bible is describing our God, he, it's describing God as more than one or, or a trinity. It, it's the same way when we use the word family here. When we use the word family in our relationship, like, like our family is getting together for Thanksgiving. When I talk about our family, I'm not talking about one person. It's, it's a singular word, but it's plural in nature. I'm talking about uh, one family, but a group of people, more than one. It's a singular word, but plural in meaning. Do you get it? For example, I'll put it like this. Jordan and Gina, this morning, they are a, they're not a family yet, okay? They're a married couple. When we look at Jordan and Gina, we look at them as a, a married couple. But one day, out, and, and Gina's not pregnant, so don't worry about that, but one day, She's gonna pop out a little, a little grandson or a granddaughter for me, and instantly Jordan and Gina will, will go from being a married couple to a family. Are, are you seeing that? It's, it's the multiplication, it's, it, it's, it's a family. The ultimate picture of marriage is a husband and wife so in love that they decide, let's start a family. Let's create a family. Let's create life so, they can, so, that, so that baby can experience the love that we have together. Listen, God is a family. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you read in the book of John, chapters 15 through 18, what, what you'll see is this beautiful, this beautiful picture of God. God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the, God the Son. And, and what you'll see is that the Son loves the Father, and the Father loves the Son, and, and the Spirit loves them. And there's this reciprocated love that the Godhead shares together. Let me give you a picture of that in, in John 16, verse 13. It says, Jesus is talking, and he says, but when he, talking about the Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and give it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And so you see this picture of Jesus trying to describe Elohim, God the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And, and here's the truth, what you need to understand is God didn't create man because he was lonely. I think a lot of times people think, well, you know, God was bored, you know, up in heaven. He's been there for all eternity, never had a beginning. He thought to himself, you know what would be cool? Let me create these little guys. I can play around with them. God didn't, do, God didn't create man because he was lonely. God created man the same reason a married couple decides to have a baby. Because a married couple says, I want our love to be expressed in another form. And so what God said when he created man, he's, he's, he's talking to the spirit and Jesus and God, their father, they're all talking together. What they have is so beautiful. You know what would be amazing? Let's do this again. Let's create this again. Let's create family. Let, let's, create, let's, create, let's create life so they can experience what we're experiencing together. Now here's what, what's happened, is that the enemy, because the enemy hates everything that's close to the heart of God, the enemy has attacked the family. Matter of fact, Satan is incredibly bold. He's emblazoned to attack the things that God loves, the things that are near to God's heart. And so we can see that working in our nation, Satan trying to undermine and destroy the family. So what I wanna do this morning is I wanna show you a couple things in this text. Because, because your family and my family, the families of this world are under attack. There are forces that have declared war on the family. Your marriage is under attack whether you know it or not. Your relationship with your kids is under attack. You, Satan has declared war on the things that God loves. And, and so in this text, I wanna show you that there is, in every one of us, we all experience it, there are forces working against our relationships. I'm gonna show you those today. There's forces working against your marriage and forces working against your relationship with your kids. 
But I want to tell you something. There's also forces that are working for you. They're working for your marriage. They're working for your relationships. And greater are the forces that are for you than those that are against you. Amen. All right, look, let's look at verse, verse, verse 9. What I love about the Bible is that the Bible, just like this, this gene, genealogy we just read, it's about to get into a story. And it's about to tell a story of a family. And, and, and the truth is, is that when you read the Bible, all the families are jacked up. So, so it's encouraging to read the Bible, especially if you have a jacked up family. Like if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your family's messed up, when you read the Bible, you don't feel so bad. You start to think, well, if God can use those, these guys are really messed up. If God can use them, God can use me, all right? That's how it is, all right? And so, so look at verse nine of our text. The Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain, all right? I gave birth to him in pain. If you, if you, if you do an, a definition or to, if you did, were to define Jabez, oftentimes in the Old Testament, they would name the child based on what was happening in the, the circumstances of their life. And so this mother decides to name her son Jabez, and, and what that actually means is one who bring, brings misery, one who causes pain, sorrow, and grief, all right? So, so Jabez, if you, were just to, if you were just to put one word on it, what's Jabez mean? It means misery. Misery, misery. Can you imagine if your name was misery? I mean, just imagine, imagine that. Hey, mom, um, can misery come over and, and, and play with us? Can I go hang out with misery? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, mom, mom can, I, can I invite the guy who causes pain, sorrow, and grief out to play? I mean, if your name is misery, you're, you're not getting, misery loves company, but misery's not getting any. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> misery's not getting invited to parties. He's not coming to your house. And, and here's the truth. We look at this text, what we would know and what we would notice right away is that normally in the Old Testament especially, the father would be the one that would name the child. But in this situation, it's the mother, the mother that says, I'm gonna name you Jabez, I'm gonna name you Misery. And so what we know from the story is that there's no dad in the picture. There's no dad there. So, so the mother is in pain. And we don't know all the circumstances, but maybe she's in pain because her, her husband left and, and didn't want anything to do with that pregnancy. Or, or maybe she's in pain because her husband's shacked up with somebody else. The Bible doesn't give us backstory on what, what transpired. All we know is that this mom is passing on the pain and misery that's in her current situation. She's passing it on to her kid. She's laying it on to her baby. This is like an unfair inheritance. This is not what you want handed down. This is a, this is a force working against you. Right? Here's the truth. None of us get to choose how we get here. None of us get to choose the circumstances. We don't get to choose our parents. Right? I, I, I feel bad for everybody born in 2020. All right? I mean, we, we, we didn't get to choose that. We don't get to choose who we came through. We're just here. We're just kind of showed up. And depending on where we arrived or how we arrived or, 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 or the circumstances surrounding our arrival, based on those things, there are certain assets, benefits, there are certain disadvantages, there are certain dysfunctions and challenges that are associated based on the circumstances of when we got here. Does that make sense? So this mother drops her pain onto her son. She names him one who brings pain, sorrow, and grief. One who causes misery. Now, now in the Old Testament, your name just didn't just identify you. It actually kind of became who you were. It kind of became your identity. It, 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 it shaped who you were. It shaped your character. It, it, it shaped your, it played a role in your destiny because you were confessing that every day. I am this. That's, it's, that's one of the things about faith. It's when you confess that, it has a tendency of working out like that. And so here's this guy, and he's walking around saying, I'm misery. I'm pain. I'm sorrow. I'm grief. And so here, here's a mom. She doesn't care about her son's future at all because she's stuck in her present pain. Do you see that? And so she names him, he, she names him misery. So watch what Jabez does in verse 10. Jabez cries out to the God of Israel, and he says this, he says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from what? I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. Here, what I want to tell you today is that all of us, as I said, we were born with certain assets, 
dysfunctions, baggage, whatever you want to call it. And, and whatever you arrived with, whatever forces are against you, whatever forces are, 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 are aligned against you or for you, I'm going to tell you something. There's a God in heaven that doesn't care about that stuff. There's a God in heaven, and he's not, he's not just excited about family. He is family, and he wants to come to family and through family. Why? Because he wants to redeem family, all right? So there's family forces that are working for you and forces that are working against you. But I want to say this. Greater is the forces for you than those that are against you. So today what I want to do is I'm going to look at three different forces that all of us have to fight against. And I'm going to talk about the forces that are against us, and then we're going to counteract them with the forces that are for us. Does that sound good? I'll give you another chance to say amen. Does that sound good? Amen. Did everybody get their communion? Everybody has it? Okay. If you didn't get it, um, raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. Right behind you. Can we do that right now? Just kind of, before I get into this too deep. If you didn't get, get communion, raise your hand nice and high, and we're, we're just going to give them to you right now. We're going to take communion today. Isn't that great? Amen. Amen. There are family forces working for you that are greater than the ones working against you. Amen. So the first one that we're going to look at is this. God is love. Somebody say God is love. God doesn't have love. God is love. Right? God, God, God doesn't have love. God doesn't prefer being lo loving. God is love. That, that's who he is. He cannot help himself. Did you hear that? God is love, all right? He loves us when we're good. He loves us when we're not good. Aren't you grateful for that? Are you with me today? Come on, stay here. Stay focused. He loves us when, when, we're, when we're bad. He loves us when we're messed up. God loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't have love. God is love. Now, the greatest gift that you can give, right over here. Come on, guys. We've got to do this quickly. <laughs> Come on to the front. All right, cool. Yeah, all right. And right back there, Lisa's right there. All right. Are you with me? Are we done? Everybody's good? All right, all right, praise the Lord. All right, the greatest gift that you can give your, your children as a, as a parent, the greatest gift that you can give your children is a mom and dad who love each other. That's what, that's what, you, that's what your kids need. They don't, they don't need all the things that money can buy. What they need is parents that love each other, that love each other, all right? So, so what is Satan attacking? He's attacking love. That's his number one attack. He's, he's attacking love. Love is under attack. You hear it all the time. You see it on television shows. You, you see people that say this. They say, oh, we just fell out of love. Well, we, we, just, we just fell out of love. Well, well so what? That's, that's a dumb thing to say. I've fallen out of bed. Is anybody else falling out of bed? I've fallen out of bed. I've fallen out of chairs, but I still sleep in a bed, and I still sit in chairs. So when you fall out of something, what do you do? You get back in it. You get back in it, all right? If you fall out of your bed, you climb back into your bed. Right? You climb back in, all right? We just, we just sort of drifted apart. Listen, love isn't based on emotion. Love is not, is not only when it's convenient. Love is not present just when the feelings are there. Love starts that way. It begins as an emotion. It begins as a feeling in its infancy, in its baby stage. But when love matures, it becomes something else. It becomes something different. It moves beyond a feeling. For God so loved the world that he gave, all right? Love created sacrifice. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action regardless of how you're feeling. It begins as an emotion, but when love is nurtured and watered and fed and cared for and protected, it develops. Love develops and matures into something that come hell or high water, we're sticking this thing out. We're, we're going for it. It began as a feeling, it's moved to a verb. It's an action word that whether the feeling is there or not, I've made a decision, we're in love. There's nothing you could do about it. I love you, all right? That's how it is. Now listen, Jesus didn't go to the cross because he liked piercings. That's a 12 a.m. joke, all right. Jesus, Jesus went to the cross because of love. He went to the cross because of love, his love. Now, what, what, did, what did he have to go through to show his love? He had to go through pain. Every time you love, you will experience pain. Pain is a force working against you. 
Pain is one of those forces that tries to get you to leave, move, go somewhere else. And there's gonna be moments in every marriage, in every father-son, father-daughter, every family relationship, there are gonna be moments of difficult, challenging, painful experiences. It's just the way it is. But here's the truth. Love is greater than pain. Love is greater than pain. And, and love is at its greatest when it pushes through the pain and through the difficulty and through the challenging situations because the force of love is greater than the force of pain. Can somebody say amen? That's the first one. There's the there's there's forces of pain working against your marriage right now. But I want to tell you something. Love trumps pain. The greater is love than pain. Jesus proved that because he went to the cross. He endured all sorts of pain. And he was able to overcome that pain because of his love for us. Amen. That's the first one. Love overcomes pain. Love versus pain. Number two, love because versus love period. Love because versus love period. Now, all of us naturally, I'll try and explain this the best I can. All of us naturally grew up to believe that, that love and approval is based on our performance. And you don't have to look far to see this because, because, because find any parents with, with brand new kids and, and if they're trying to get them to walk, right? Parents are like, come here, come here, come here, oh, come to daddy, come to mama, right? And, and then and the, the baby goes, what, what do the parents do? Right, that's what we do. And so right at the very beginning of our lives, we learn that, that as a child, if I just do this, my parents will love me. My, my parents will approve of me every, every dad, dad. Oh, you said my name, oh, very good, good. Say it again, dad, dad, dad. That's what, what are we doing? We're expressing that, that I'm gonna, I'm, this is my approval based on what you're doing. And it's an extreme amount of praise for performance. But this carries on long beyond the, the baby stage. This moves into to little league sports, and you, you'll see you'll see a you know an eight year old kid out there, and and uh, you know looking around, and the dad's like, "Pay attention out there!" Right? The kid strikes out, and the dad throws his hat on the ground, stomp, "Why just swing at that pitch?" Right? But but just see the kid hit get a hit, and the dad's like walking around. I, I'm guilty of this, all right. So so I, I'm I'm speaking from experience. Dad's walking around. It's my son right there. Do you guys see that? Everybody see that? So so kids learn at an early age that 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 love and and praise is built on performance. If I do this then I'll get approval. If I do this, then I'll get love. If I do this, then I'll be accepted. If I, and it, it continues on later in life. Well, if I wear this, people will like me. If I drive this, if I, if I own this, if I make this, then I'll be accepted, then I'll experience love. It's this never-ending search. It's, it's, it's love because. Are you hearing me? Well, I, I get love because I did this. It's a never-ending search trying to perform our way to love. But I want you to look at a scripture in Genesis 25. In Genesis 25, the Bible says that Isaac, now we know Isaac is, is Abraham's son, right? This is, bringing the, this is bringing in the lineage of Israel. And the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But his wife Rebekah loved Jacob, period. Let's read that again. I want, you to, I want some lights to go on. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob, period. We know that Jacob is gonna end up ruling over Esau. He's gonna become Israel. The, the, the nation of Israel is based on his name. He's the grandson of Abraham, and Isaac and Rebekah gave birth to two sons. They gave birth to a, to a son they named Jacob, and the firstborn son they named Esau. Esau was the one that, that should, have been, should have had the, the inheritance. He should have been the, the ruler. Uh, but, but what we see here is that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob, period. So what do we see? One of them had conditions on the love. One of them said, well, if you do this, then I'll love you. 
Do you see that? The other one was just loved. Good days, bad days, winning, losing. Rebecca loved Jacob, period. Didn't matter what he did. She loved him, period. But because we come from dysfunctional, broken, broken down world, messed up families, what we inherit, the force against us, the forces against us that we inherit is it's easy to love because. We start to, we, we start to operate that way. It's a force that's working against relationships. And we begin to operate in the Isaac kind of love that we love because, well, they got an A. Or, or we, love, we love because they did really well. We love because they, 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 you know, they, 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 they met our expectations. They did what we wanted them to do. But if they don't perform, if they don't behave or do well or do what we want, then we withhold love. And we see this all the time in marriages. Well, he didn't do this, so he's sleeping on the couch. It's a performance-based love. How devastating this is in our society. This is a force working against society, and you can see it play out in Esau's life. How devastating this was for Esau. He was the one that was supposed to be the ruler. He was the one that was supposed to take the inheritance, but Jacob ends up ruling over Esau. Could it be that Jacob was the ruler because he developed confidence and self-esteem and assurance because he was loved regardless? And that Esau was constantly battling with insecurity and never measuring up and never being good, uh, good enough because he was, love was only dispensed to him because he was performing a certain way. Here's, here's the thing you need to understand is that Jesus loved you regardless. Jesus loves you, period. Jesus loves you even at your worst, the Bible says that while we were sinners, right, Christ died for, for us. There's nothing that you can do to earn the love of God. You might as well stop trying. You, you can't. God loves you, period. He loves you regardless. Amen. And the force against us today in society and against relationship is, is love based on performance. It's, I love you because of this. I love you because you did this, because you do this, because you... That's a, that's a force working against because as soon as you stop performing, now the love is gone. No, there's a force that's greater than love because it's love, period. It's love, period. And that's the love that Jesus has for us, and that's the love we should have for each other. Somebody say amen. Amen. I hope you understood that. All right. The third one this morning, the third one is this, and I want you to, I want you to open your Bible. Well, you don't have to open. Just look on the screen. I'm going to read a scripture for you in Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, beginning with verse 18. Look what it says. It says that the Lord is long-suffering. Aren't you grateful that God's, long, God's love is, is long-suffering? Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. It's abundant in mercy. Aren't you grateful for mercy? Forgiving iniquity and transgression, but... This is one of those buts in the Bible that we don't like. It's a big but right here. But he by no means clears the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Now, I'm, I'm grateful today for the cross of Christ that brings deliverance. But there is a force working against family today, and it's, a fa it's, 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 a, it's, it's called curses. We, you've heard the term used so many times, family curses. What is this? It's, it's stuff that's been passed down genera generationally to, to, to our families. Now, when you showed up, you showed up with baggage. All of us did. We, we arrived with history. Think about that for a second. The, the first hour of your life, you already had history. There was stuff inside of you. You had certain bents and biases and dysfunctions. And this text says that, that it goes back three and four generations. We're talking about a long time. Now, what science tries to do is science tries to blame it on genes. Science tries to blame stuff on, on your genetics, that somehow inside of you, you are genetically hardwired to think a certain way. That's why people are, suffer with addiction or, or, or chronic um, um, illnesses, that somehow we were born with that, that there's a genetic disposition that we possess that's been wired to our system. And, and, and I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty hopeless, Right? In other words, science is telling us that we're hopelessly programmed for destruction. That we can't do anything about it. That that's just the way we were born. 
We have these certain, this, this, these disqualifications, these dysfunctions, this baggage. And I want to say, it's true. All of us have some jacked up stuff in our lives. But they're not genetic. They're spiritual. They're spiritual things. And I'm here today to tell you that Jesus came to deliver you from that. I was looking for somebody to say amen. That he came with power to set you free from whatever you were born with. Are you hearing me? It's good news that through the power of the cross and the blood that was shed, you can experience freedom and deliverance. And so yes, there's forces working against us. Stuff that's from our past history, generational curses that we were kind of, kind of brought into this world with. But I wanna tell you something, those curses are no match for the blood of Jesus. That Jesus came to deliver us from the curse. Can somebody say amen? From the curse. Now, now, now sometimes, each one of us, I think if you just look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and the way that you're acting, you see, the, you see sometimes your parents in you. I have to be careful in this service because my parents are online watching. But you see your parents in you. Now, now I, my, my, parents, my, my parents have been saved and our family life was amazing. You know, but I don't have much recollection of life before Christ. Okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't really live to experience much of that. I don't, I don't remember those times at all. But, but I have heard the stories. I have heard some of the things that, that especially, you know, I'm trying to relate to myself, stuff that my dad and my mom, that they, that they struggled with, and maybe some of the anger issues that my dad had when he was younger. And, and the things that I swore that I would never do, things I swore I'd never say, um, I, I, I see kind of starting to operate in me. After I got married, all of a sudden, these, these, these anger and these things, these familiar spirits. Why do they call them familiar spirits? Because, because they come through the familia, all right? That's the way it happens. And so there's probably areas in your life, like there was in mine, where you said, I'll never do that. Maybe the way your parents treated you in a certain situation, you said, I'll never do that to my kids. How many of you said that? When I have kids, I'm never, I'm never gonna do that to my kids. I'm never gonna say those things. I'm never gonna use that kind of language, only to find yourself years later doing those exact things you swore you'd never do. Am I the only one or what? Come on. Why, why is that? Well, I think it's, I think it's like this. What walks in fathers runs in children. In other words, what's operated, there's a force working against and what happens is, is, is the things that we've been raised with, we start to believe, well, this is just normal. This is just the way it is. This is just the way I was born. This is just the way I was raised. And I'm here today to tell you, no, it's not. It's not normal. And that's why the word of God is so important. If you go to culture for truth, you're gonna end up jacked up. Because culture keeps changing everything. If you keep you know, relying on the science, let's just, let's just follow the science. Listen, if you do that, you're going to end up jacked up. That's what we're seeing in the world today. Everybody's jacked up. Only the word of God can expose the lie of the enemy. Somebody say amen. Only, only the word of God can highlight behavior that doesn't line up. And so what do I need? I have the force working against me. I was born third and fourth generations of, of curses. I was, I was born with history I, I didn't even know. That's just the way I was raised. That's just the way I am. The good news today is that the, the, the deliverance power of God is greater than the curse you were born with. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, the deliverance that God wants to give you, that force of deliverance is greater than the curse that you were, you were brought up with. Amen. Now I want to close this morning, before we, before we jump into communion, with the scripture in Psalm 51. The worship team is going to come. We're going to sing a little bit today. Psalm 51 is, is really a well-known portion of scripture. And it's, it's, a, it's a song that David wrote. And right at the beginning, the first couple of verses, David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, right? What does he say? Renew a right spirit in me. And then in verse five, I wanna show you something. Check this out. Verse five, he, he continues on, he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. I just want to focus your attention on that scripture. David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, my mother conceived me. Now, what's interesting about David is David was the eighth son of a man by the name of Jesse. 
And so a prophet came to Jesse and said, Jesse, God wants to anoint one of your sons to be the next king over Israel. Now this is great news for Jesse, why? Because he's set. Like, like, like if his son is gonna be king, he don't have to worry about anything ever again. His family, all of history, they're taken care of. And so, if that's like amazing news. And so if I'm Jesse, and I've got eight sons, I'm lining them all up, right? Because I wanna give myself the best chance of this actually being true. And so the Bible says that the prophet comes and, and Jesse lines up, but he doesn't line up all eight of his sons. He lines up only seven of them, only seven. And, and actually, the Bible says he takes his eighth son, David, and sends him far away to take care of the sheep. And it's almost like, it's almost like Jesse's like hiding David. It's almost like he, he, he didn't want him there. And, and if you read David, all of the psalms that he, that he, all the songs he sang, and so much of scripture, you, you, you come to realize that David really was insecure. And, and there, were, there was times that he felt like an outcast. And, and because of this, a lot of theologians believe that, that, that David was born in some sort of shameful situation. We don't know, there's no, there's no real way, but somehow in the way that he was conceived, it was shameful. And Jesse was actually embarrassed of David. And so the prophet's coming to town, and Jesse's like, oh man, this is, a, this, is a big, this is a big occasion for our family. We can't let David be here. We, we, we kind of get rid of him. We got to hide David so the prophet doesn't see this shameful thing in our family. But here's the truth. You can't hide things from God. How many know that to be true? You can't hide things from God. Nothing gets past the eyes of God. The very thing that Jesse was embarrassed about actually was the thing God used. The one that he wanted to hide, he was shamed of, is the, is the one God chose. Now, I want you to fast forward now. We're going to fast forward massively in David's life. David, um, we know David had a massive mess up and a great sin, and we'll get to that. But up until this point in his life, he's crushing it. Like everything is great. You've got, he, he's, got a, he's got a long line of great accomplishments. You've got Goliath. You've got, you got, you know, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. He's like the best king. He's a phenomenal king. He's a legendary warrior. He's an unbelievable musician. He writes amazing songs. He's the one that brought back the presence of the Lord to its rightful place. Now his only blemish, the only, the only error he made is his, his goof up with Bathsheba. And we know that Bathsheba ends up pregnant, and so David's caught. And so, you know the story. David tries to finagle his way, way out of it. You know, he, he, he sleeps with Bathsheba, and, and uh, she ends up pregnant. He's like, I'm caught. What do I do? He says, I know what I'll do. Um, I'll bring her husband, Uriah, a personal friend of mine, one of my great fighters. I'll bring him back from the war. I'll, 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 I'll load him up with alcohol, send him home to sleep with Bathsheba. He'll think the kid's his. I'm good. But we know Uriah comes back and he won't, he won't go into his wife because, because, because all of his buddies are out there fighting at war. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna enjoy those pleasures when my brothers are off at war. So, so what does David do? He has him executed. He ends up killing one of his, 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 his closest friends and, 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 and then takes Bathsheba to be his own wife. Now, now you know, up until this point, David's been crushing it. So, so now Bathsheba, she represents something to David. She represents a big, giant, massive mistake. We know that the baby that she was carrying, God kills that baby. But Bathsheba goes on to bear another son. Does anybody remember what his name is? His name is Solomon. His name is Solomon. Now, now we know David had many other sons. Good looking, handsome, warrior sons. But who, who at the end of David's life who does God choose to be on the throne? It's, it's, it's Solomon, the one that was conceived from, from a blemish in David's life. At the end of David's life, God doesn't choose the guys that probably should have been king, looked like a king. He chooses Solomon, the, the blemish on the scorecard of David's life. That's who God chooses. And I, I'm here today to tell you 
that the power of family curses that we saw in Jesse and then it moved on to David, the power of family curses is no match for the deliverance power of God because God is a redeeming God. He doesn't judge you for your sin, but he actually hung on the cross and he was judged and he paid the penalty for your sin. That's, the pre that's precisely the reason that, that Jesus died, so that he died for your deliverance. Every curse in your family Everything that you think is just gonna be who you are, Jesus died to deliver you from that. And his deliverance, it's a force working in your favor. And there are curses that are working against your family, but I'm gonna tell you something, greater is the power of the deliverance from God than the curse that's on your life. God came to deliver you. He came to deliver every part of you. He came to set you totally free. He doesn't come to judge you. He hung on a cross and was judged himself. He did it for you. And, and I want to tell you today that, that, that there are forces. There are, there are forces working against us. Yes, pain is working against us. And, 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 and performance-based love, yes, it's working against us. And, and curses, the way we were raised, yes, these are things that are working against us. But I want to tell you something. I want you to hear what I'm saying today. The greater is the forces that are for you than those that are against you because love overcomes pain, because unconditional love overcomes performance-based love, because deliverance overcomes the curse. Rather than fight each other, rather than, than, than fight each other and claw against one another, why don't we come together and, and join forces and fight against the stuff that's coming against the family? Come on, why don't we fight together the, 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 to fight against the force that are trying to come against God's alignment. We found a great truth in scripture that greater is he, greater is the power of God, greater are the forces on our side than those that are in the world. Amen. Amen. So God, we thank you today. Come on, let's pray today. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the reminder, Lord, that that you, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. There are forces, we know there are forces aligned against us. Satan has, Satan has put a bullseye on family because he hates what you love. But Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that you've provided us with forces that are greater than anything that could come against us. And God, we're grateful for that. For that in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior on this Thanksgiving week. What a, what a tremendous time to invite Jesus into your heart because, because Jesus died because he, he wanted to overcome pain in your life. He wanted to overcome the pain in your life. Some of you are experiencing pain today, but I want to tell you the love of Christ overcomes pain. It overcomes pain. That force against you, the pain that you've experienced, God wants to set you free from that today. And it's not anything that you could do. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. It's not, God doesn't love you because of anything you did. He loves you, period. His love will, overcomes any amount of sin, any amount of problem, any amount of he loves you that much and he, he died to overcome the curse so that you could be delivered maybe you're here today you say I want to give my life to Jesus I want to invite Jesus into my life if that's you just raise your hand all over this place nice and high so I can see it is there anyone like that here today at all all over this place on Thanksgiving weekend anyone at all anyone at all you just raise your hand nice and high let me see it anyone 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 amen amen Lord then we just want to thank you today that we're saved that we're set free in Jesus name in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want you, if you can, to get your communion, uh, your communion supplies ready. And if you'll notice, this is a um, kind of an all-in-one container. There's, there's a piece of cellophane on the top. You just kind of peel that back. That exposes the bread. And then there's another, another peel back, and that exposes the juice. And I, I just want to talk about today because communion, to me, is the ultimate reminder that the forces for us are greater than the forces against us. That's what Jesus was saying when he, when he shared communion in the Last Supper with his disciples. He was asking them to remember, to remember. And, 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 he, and what's so cool is that every time Jesus, uh, every time we take communion, he asks us to remember, he asks us to remember in the context of family. 
because Jesus was sitting there with his family, right? He was there with his disciples and he's enjoying a supper with them. And it was in that context, the context of family, that he, he asked them to remember certain things. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Why don't you grab that bread um, thingy on the, after the first layer of cellophane? Just grab that. Come on. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. He gave thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remember, remembrance of me. Now, what I want to talk about real quick, when we talk about the body of Christ, one thing that we know, that Jesus experienced incredible pain. He was broken. His body was abused. It was whipped. It was beaten. It was scarred. And it was done for you. It was, it was and here's the thing. It was the force of love that overcame the force of pain. Jesus was enabled, was, was enabled to overcome pain because he loved us that much. Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus endured pain, proving that the power of love the force of love is greater than the force of pain. And so many of us in this place, we've experienced pain in our lives. Many of us are, are experiencing pain right now. All kinds of physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. Uh, but I want to tell you something. You can experience healing because of the power of love. The power of love. Jesus endured that for you in your place so that you could be made whole. Why don't you take and eat this morning in remembrance of that? Jesus, thank you for the body that you gave up so willingly. Lord, the pain that you suffered, the incredible amount of pain that you suffered. But Lord, I thank you that for the love of God, for the love of us, Lord, you endured that. You despised the shame because, because you knew the reward at the end, Lord, that we would be forgiven, that we would be set free, that we would be made whole. Thank you for that. He continues on and he says, in the same way, he took the cup. Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That's why it's, we use grape juice. And, and if you hold it up to the light, it looks like blood. It's a reminder of blood. And it's, it, it represents the new covenant in my blood. And whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. So what are we remembering today? We're remembering that the blood of Jesus was poured out for our salvation. It was the ultimate expression of love period it wasn't a love because it was love period you couldn't earn the blood of jesus you can't buy the blood of jesus it was freely poured out for our deliverance aren't you grateful for that today jesus blood what does it do it forgives our sins oh come on are you grateful for that today the blood of Jesus, it delivers us. It, it not only do we experience forgiveness for our past sins, but, but because of the blood of Jesus, we're able to wear the righteousness of Christ. So now, that Jesus, now when God looks at us, he no longer sees our, our, our past mistakes. He no longer sees our, our past errors. He no longer sees the guilt that we have. Instead, he sees, because of the blood of Jesus, he sees the righteousness of Christ in all of us. Oh, what an amazing thing. God, we thank you for the blood. Come on, can you thank him for it? Lord, thank you so much for the blood of Jesus that washes us free from sin, that delivers us from the curse. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Take and drink. Your family curse is no match for the blood of Jesus. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. God, we, we thank you, God, for what you did, the sacrifice that you bore for us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand. Let's worship the Lord for a few moments today. Amen. Sing this out today. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Oh God, a revival pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains in the ground. Oh God, a
Oh, come on, let's worship him this morning. Lift your hands and sing, come on. Yeah. Come awaken your people. Come awaken this city. Come on. God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you today. Lord, we close this service. So grateful for you, God. Grateful for what you've done. So thankful. So thankful. We're going to remain thankful this week. I pray, Lord, you, you help us too. We have to commit to that. There's so many things going around us, so many reasons and to, to complain, so many reasons to be upset. But Lord, we, we make a decision to be grateful, to be grateful. How many are making that decision right now? Make a decision to be grateful. Father, we, we thank you for this service and this time together. Lord, I pray that you bless us this week, Lord. As we leave, you protect us this week and be with us. Lord, as we gather as families, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we, we celebrate you and all that you've done in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. From our family to yours, our family to yours, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you guys. Amen.